This sermon is going to be a little different from my usual sermon. I know that normally I go into a bunch of historical context and we, we delve into the culture of, of whatever verse, whatever scripture that we're looking at, but today's going to be different. And you might find this hard to believe, but I didn't even open one commentary book in preparation for this sermon. And so today and over the next couple of weeks, I want to share some messages that God has just laid on my heart. I open my Bible, and this is what God gave to me. And you're, you're free to take that however you would like. I'm, I'm just being honest. As a Christian, I try not to base my life off of fear. I want to focus on love, grace, and hope. But sometimes my human nature, it gets in the way of that. There are times in my Christian experience where I feel afraid. Afraid of the direction that God seems to be leading me. Afraid of the future and how things are going to work out. And I'd imagine that I'm not alone in this. I, I can see some of the head nods. I can see the, the looks on your faces. We all have moments of doubt. We all have moments of fear. Sometimes we're afraid that we're too young or too old. Sometimes we're afraid that we're too rich or too poor. Sometimes we're afraid that we're too noble or too lowly. I want you to think about times in your life, and maybe they're happening right now, but times where you were afraid concerning God's plans for your future. Maybe you're worried that you aren't worthy for what he is calling you to do. Maybe you're scared about the difficulties that are going to come along the way as you try to follow his will, be who he wants you to be. Maybe you're afraid that God might let you down in the same way that many people in this life, in this world, have let you down. I want you to think about these things. Just get them, get them in your head, because we're going to come back to them later. In the meantime, I'm so glad that the Bible has words of encouragement on these matters. The scripture reading today, 2 Timothy 1:7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. While this verse brings some comfort, statements aren't usually as relatable as stories. But luckily, the Bible has plenty of stories where people, people both old and young, rich and poor, lowly and noble, all dealt with being afraid of what God was calling them to do. I want to look at a few of these stories, and since it's December, and since it looks so festive in here now, I thought it would be helpful to look at some of the stories that are found in the Christmas story 
narrative. The first two chapters of Luke are chock full of stories, messages, prophecies, and prayers that are extremely helpful in life, extremely relatable for many of us. Most of us have read or at least heard these stories recounted. The Christmas tales, the Christmas stories, we're familiar with them, but, you know, there are pros and cons that come with familiarity. One of the cons is that thinking we know the story, it's easy for us to miss some of the finer details, right? We just, we read it, we just breeze right over it. Oh, I know this story. I know all this stuff. So over the next few weeks, I want to spend some time in these juicy chapters, because they they are juicy, and see what sort of Christmas gifts that God has waiting for us. Today, we'll look at three specific interactions, and most of us are familiar with the three angels' messages found in chapter 14 of the book of Revelation. But I wonder how many of us realize that there are also three angel messages in the Christmas story. Today, I'd like to take some time to look at each one and see what we can glean. The first angel message is found early on in Luke's gospel. The stage is set in verse five of chapter one, where we're introduced to a man named Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth. We're told that Zacharias was a priest and Elizabeth was from the lineage of Aaron. And Luke goes on to tell us that they were both righteous and blameless in the eyes of God. But they were old, and they had no children. This was a burden that they had. The couple desired a child, and they'd prayed for one for years, but to no avail. What kind of thoughts do you think that they might have been having? Was God angry with them? Were they maybe being punished for some wrongdoing? Were they not righteous enough? Was their family name going to end with them? These questions and many others probably swirled through their heads, were spoken quietly in private in their homes. But one day, Zacharias, he went into the temple to burn incense to the Lord. Luke 1, 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. This is good news, right? This is good news. And the angel continues, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, this is a lot to process, but this is also Old Testament prophetic language. Zacharias would have been all too familiar with these words. But who was he? to be a part of their fulfillment. Doubts started to creep in, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Husbands, don't ever say that about your wives. <laughs> you will find yourself in trouble. If we're paying attention, we should be picking up on some very, very strong connections to another Bible story, another Bible couple. What Old Testament couple is this reminding you of? And you can just shout it out. Abraham and Sarah. In both of these stories, an angel delivers a message from God that a child is on the way to an old couple. And in both instances, doubt is the first response, doubt. It's hard to blame them though, but I love the angel's response to Zacharias. Zacharias asked how he can know what the angel is saying is actually true. And instead of answering the question, the angel says this, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Zacharias asks a question, and in response, he gets a name drop. Gabriel's like, you know, hey, I'm, I was in the presence of God, okay? <laughs> um, if you can't trust in that, then there's really nothing that I can say or do to convince you otherwise. But behold, you will be mute, and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Now I bet he's extra looking forward to this. <laughs> because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. That must have been a long nine months for Zacharias. But I bet he learned a lot during that time too. I feel that often we, we do too much talking not enough listening. And Zacharias now had <laughs> no choice but to listen. But in the middle of this time scale, about six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, another angel shows up on the scene. This angel shows up in Nazareth to a virgin who's engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was from the lineage of David, and this virgin's name was Mary. When the angel appeared to Mary, she was surprised and a little scared. Who was she? That an angel would appear to her. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And be and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary then responds with some doubts of her own. How could she possibly become pregnant if she was a virgin? The angel responds and says, the Holy Spirit will take care of that matter. Don't don't you worry about that, Mary. But the angel also lets Mary know that her relative Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age, another thing that seemed impossible. The angel ends with this beautiful statement. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary accepts her task and soon is bearing the Son of God in her womb. And months go by. John is born and eventually Jesus is born. And then the third angel appears. The first angel appeared to an old, righteous priest. The second angel appeared to a young, virgin girl. The third angel appeared to a group of lowly, poor shepherds. These angels, I mean, these, these shepherds, they, they lived out in the fields with their flock. They kept careful watch over them at night. And it was during one of these nights that this angel comes. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Can you imagine being out in a field at night? It's dark. It's quiet. You don't see anything but the moon and some faraway stars. No streetlights, no candles, no cell phones. It's just dark. It's quiet. And then all of a sudden, the, the night lights up, and it's a brightness like you've never seen before. Just out of nowhere. A fearful sight indeed. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And just when the shepherds thought it couldn't get any brighter, Luke tells us that a whole host of angels appear in the sky and they start singing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men. Then the angels lifted back up to heaven. And when the shepherds were alone, they looked at each other and they decided that they were going to go into Bethlehem and see this child. And again, I I love the progression here. First, Zacharias doubts what God says. Then Mary doubts the decision in God choosing her. 
But these lowly shepherds accept what God says and instantly move forward. I pray that this is the experience of each one of us when we doubt God's leading in our lives. May we eventually progress to full trust in the future that he has in store for each one of us. Now, these must have all been pretty heavy and scary moments. Not only were they confronted by holy, heavenly beings, but they were called to do something tremendous in the name of God. Zacharias was told that he would be the father of the man who prepared the way, was the forerunner for the promised Messiah. I'm sure he felt too old, too tired to do such a thing. Mary was told that she would be the mother of the Messiah, the son of God, the savior of mankind. I'm sure she did not feel worthy for the task. The poor lowly shepherds were told to go meet this new king. And I'm sure that they had concerns and fears about what they were wearing, about how they smelled. But they went anyways. So I want to try a bit of trivia here. I'm going to test your, your comprehension skills. And if you know the answer, once again, Feel free to shout it out. What was the common opening statement from each of these three angels? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You remember at the beginning of the sermon when I was talking about fear. When I ask you to think about the times in your life when you were afraid of what God was calling you to do, of what God's plans were for your life. Think about those times. Think about them right now. Do they make you feel too young or too old? Do they make you feel too rich or too poor? Do they make you feel too lowly or unworthy? I'm here to tell you that it's okay to feel afraid. It's okay to feel afraid. You're not alone in your fear, but I also want to tell you that you don't have to stay afraid. You don't have to stay afraid. These stories, these wonderful stories, show us as much. I don't know exactly what situations you have been in, what you are currently in, or what you're going to face in the future. But I believe that God is speaking to you right now through these words from the three angels, the messengers in this Christmas story. I believe he's giving you permission to not be afraid. You have permission to voice your doubts. There's a comfort that comes from being honest with God, being honest with those that are close to you. You have permission to voice your fears. 
Telling God that you are afraid gives you the opportunity then to ask for strength or bravery or faith, whatever it is that you need, depending on what you're currently going through. Confronting your doubts and fears can lead you to overcoming them through the power of Christ, through his spirit. I don't believe it's a sin to have doubts or to be afraid. But how do we deal with these feelings? How do we deal with them when they come? Ignoring doubts can lead to a weakened faith. Living in fear can cause spiritual paralysis, but confronting your doubts, asking questions, and seeking answers can lead to a strengthening of your faith. Confronting fear and choosing not to be afraid concerning God's will for your life, God's plans for you and your family, can lead to a more abundant life and clarity concerning God's will for you. Now, I'm sure that in the Old Testament, Joseph was afraid when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. But we are told in Genesis 39 too, the Lord was with Joseph. And then I bet that he was scared when he was wrongly convicted and thrown into an Egyptian prison but again, in Genesis 39, 21, we are told, but the Lord was with Joseph. Moses was scared when he met God at the burning bush. And God laid out the plans that he had for Moses' life, and Moses had his doubts and his fears. But God told him in Exodus 3, 12, I will certainly be with you. When the angels came to Zacharias and Mary and the shepherds, they were afraid. They were unsure of God's plan for their lives. But God said, do not be afraid. In the past, when people were scared, God said he would be with them. And all three of these angel messages that we've looked at today, we're in conjunction with Jesus. Another name for Jesus is Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Could this be why God had each angel message open with these words, do not be afraid? Because in telling them about Jesus, the people were also learning that God would be with them in a more intimate way than ever before. A savior was born and God was with them. But what about us? Jesus isn't walking around this earth in his physical body anymore. Are we left alone? Should we be afraid? We can find our answer in the words of Jesus, John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you 
and will be in you. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us. Not only does God dwell with us, but according to Jesus himself, the Spirit of God dwells in us. Imagine what it would look like if all over the world, Christians started living as if they really believed this to be true. That God was closer to them than ever before and that there was no need to be afraid. What a witness that would be. Christmas is a time to remember that we do not have to be afraid. God was with his children during the Old Testament times. Jesus was with his people 2,000 years ago, and the Holy Spirit is with us now. When life gets overwhelming and hard, remember the thrice-repeated Christmas message. Do not be afraid. God is with you. But for now, I want to invite Heather Preston to come forward, to stand at the foot of the steps. She's one of our elders here in the church. And I'm going to have the benediction. And for those of you that wish to be dismissed, can do so after I say amen. But if there's anybody here that has any specific needs, any special burdens, any special concerns, Heather will be over there. I'll step down over here and we'd love to listen. And we'd love to lift your petition, your praise, whatever it might be, to the throne of God. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. During this holiday season, we reflect upon Jesus and in a way that maybe we haven't been doing throughout the rest of the year. And Lord, we, we've seen today that because of Jesus, because of the Christmas miracle, we don't have to be afraid. Because of the spirit of Christ, we can know with assurance that you are with us. So Lord, as we go through this next week, I pray that you would help us to not only live out this message, but to share it with others. To draw near to those that are hurting. To, to draw near to those who are afraid. To draw near to those who have doubts. Not to judge them. Not to curse them. Not to show them how much we know. But Lord, to show through our actions how much you care for them. Lord, give us those opportunities. Give us those divine appointments, we pray and fill us with your spirit. We accept it now. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.